0: Good evening, good evening, happy Tuesday everyone, and welcome to my Journey of Cherie podcast. Happy New Year to you all, hope all is well. I started my YouTube channel last week called Journey of Cherie. so please make sure you subscribe and click on the bell so you can receive notifications every time I do a video. My goal is to reach 1,000 subscribers, and with your help, I'm sure I can get it done. So make sure you guys subscribe. I have three videos up there right now. Yesterday I spoke about boundaries. I hope you guys are also following me on Instagram, which is journey underscore of underscore Sheree and also on Facebook, which is my journey of Sheree page. And I'm also on Twitter journey of Sheree. And I'm also on a new site called Clubhouse that many of you guys are familiar with. You can find me on there as well under journey of Sheree. Thank you for your continued support and love. All of my merchandise is sold out, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. No worries. I'm waiting for my new shipment. It should be in by the end of this week, no later than Monday. So I have more hoodies, T-shirts, keychains. And I forget, I think this order might be some dog tags. I'll let you guys know. Also, I did another Q&A last week on Facebook, so if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, make sure you check it out. They were some tough questions, but nonetheless, I appreciate all the questions you guys sent me. Continue to send them in. So let's go right into the two questions that I have right now. So the first question, it says, Hello, Journey of Cherie. I just want to tell you how proud of you I am And that I hope God continues to bless your path. Thank you so much. Um, I was sexually abused by my stepbrother from the age of 6 to 10. And I have not forgiven him or my mom for not protecting me the way I feel she should have. I'm a 44-year-old female that doesn't know how to forgive. Was it hard for you to forgive your rapist? So Hmm First let me say this. I'm very very sorry that you endured that type of pain. I'm very very sorry. Regarding forgiveness. Yeah, it was hard to forgive him. It was hard to forgive him because we were cool at first, so I thought. And so for him to do what he did to me, I felt betrayed, violated, hurt, confused, scared, a bunch of emotions. And so... It was very hard to forgive him. I didn't even know what that looked like. I didn't know how to go about forgiving him. And so that's why when my mother put me in therapy, that was the best thing that could have been done for me because in therapy I learned so much about rapists and what it is they seek, why they do the things they do. And so, it allowed me to understand that it wasn't my fault. And I had to forgive myself for all those feelings that I was having about why this happened to me. Maybe I'd have stayed in the house like my mother told me. So, it it was a lot of blame that I was placing on myself. And so... I think it took so long to forgive that person because it took a long time for me to forgive myself. But once I started healing over the years and I was able to forgive myself, I don't know when it was that I forgave him, but I knew when I forgave him, when things didn't hurt as much anymore, when I was able to talk about what happened to me. So yes, it was hard to forgive that person. And I completely understand why it's taking you so long to forgive. And since I don't know a lot about your story, I would like to know if you ever were in therapy. And if you weren't, maybe you should really consider that because it helps release so much of that pain and hurt and shame that I know. Without a doubt, you are holding on to. And so, it's going to always be hard for you to forgive him if you don't find it in your heart to forgive yourself first. And I'm not telling you when you should forgive him. I'm just saying, once you learn how to forgive him, things is going to feel better for you. So I hope that helped. I pray that you find peace. Because that's what you're going to need in order to get through this. You're going to need some peace. And so I pray you find that. I hope I answered your question. This next question and the last question. It says, hey Hollywood. That's my nickname back in New York. i have always loved how you carried yourself even though you was bougie as hell. (laughs) I guess I ain't gonna be able to get away from that word, huh? Are you still in contact with any of those females that you met in therapy? Nope, I'm not. I don't even remember any of them. They can walk right past me on the street and I wouldn't even know them. Unfortunately, besides the fact that I have suppressed so many things in my life, I'm sure even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to remember them. I was dealing with a lot back then. So I remembered them when I needed to remember them. We helped each other get through some things, but as I'm sitting here now, I can't even picture their faces. It was many years ago. Thank you so much for these questions. I hope I answered them. Please, please continue to send your questions. You can send them like I always say. If you have my telephone number, excuse me, you can text your questions to me. Um, you can inbox them on Facebook. You can DM them to me on Instagram. And if you even want to, you can leave me a question on my YouTube page under any one of my videos, if that even works for you, because I understand there's a lot of people that are on YouTube that are not on any other social platforms that I just need. So whatever works for you, or you can send it to my email, which is journeyofsherie at gmail.com. All questions, excuse me, all questions, and I mean all questions are welcomed. Thank you guys so much. So today I'm going to talk about my father and I'm going to need you guys to bear with me because this is a rough one for me. You know, I wasn't prepared today to talk about my father because as you guys know, I had an interview scheduled for today, but things happened and so we had to postpone it And hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to get back to it. So I decided, you know what? I think I'm ready to talk about my father. So a lot of people know that me and my father had a really, really good relationship. It wasn't perfect by no means. I don't have any perfect relationships in my life, but my father was such a good man you hear me my father was a good man flaws and all because my father was flawed like many of us he was flawed right and he had some things about him that uh, I didn't like but I'm sure I had things about me he didn't like but we loved each other nonetheless and so (laughs) my father was a funny man let me tell you (laughs) if you know my father you know he was a funny man God bless him he was a funny man and my brother is a splitting image of him only thing is my brother has locks and my dad doesn't but he has his walk he dresses like him he looks like him he smells like him he's funny like him man and so it's like I still have my father here And I'm so grateful for that. And me and my brother actually has gotten a lot closer since I lost my father. And I'm grateful for that. But me and my dad was like, we relied on each other for a lot of things. You know, I learned in therapy that me and my dad experienced a codependency relationship. And that was hard to hear because the only title that I'm aware of is a father-daughter relationship. But in therapy after losing my father, I realized we had a codependency relationship. And that means we depended on each other for a lot of things. We was basically a crutch to one another, you know. Um, And I think I didn't look at it in that way. I looked at it like, you know, this is my father. And no matter what, I'm always going to be there for him. So, you know, me and my father always didn't have the best relationships. When I was younger, um, a teenager, I didn't have a relationship with my father for different reasons. Like I said, he, he, you know, he always, he had some things he needed to figure out. And so we didn't have a relationship at the time. Me and my father wind up getting close I want to say when I was probably 18 or 19 because I had to forgive him for some for some things you know um yeah I had to forgive him for some things and I did and I'm grateful that I did because then our relationship just got so much better so you know I spent a lot of time with my father he took me horseback riding Um, my father used to work for a college in Poughkeepsie Ivy League Vassar College and I used to he always had father daughter day and I would always go or when he had picnics I was always there like I knew I was the apple in my father's eye I just did and I love that you know um, I used to bring my father around my friends and he was just that kind of person you had to love him he was ignorant as all hell (laughs) You know, my father said what it was, you know. Um, But when I tell you he was funny, man. And I know that's what me and my brother get our sense of humor from. So, you know, I used to bring my father around sometimes or he would just come around, no invite, you know. And all my friends loved him because he was a good person. My father would give you, literally, the shoes off his feet, the coat off his back, the bicycle that he was riding. He ain't giving up no cars. But he'll give you the bicycle he was riding. He'll put money in your pocket. he will take you to go get a drink because, yeah, my father used to drink. And he was a good person. I mean, just an all-around good person. Um, and you either loved him or you didn't. And if you didn't, I know why you didn't. Because he either did some things he ain't had no business doing. He either said some things that I know he had no business saying. Um, and then after he do all that, he won't come back apologizing. <laughs> and I used to always tell him, you can't apologize to everybody because my father used to know how to cut. when well, he could cut you with some words. And then, you know, and call me and want me to have to smooth over some things. So, and I tried to all the time. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. But he would call me. re. Now let me take that back. He didn't call me Reed. Call me baby girl. Baby girl, let me tell you what I did. And then he would tell me and I'd be like, Dad, you dead wrong. You ain't have to do that. He was dead wrong for that. But, you know, he'd laugh And then i will try to fix those relationships that he's always destroying. Because any relationship that probably didn't work out well in my father's life, whether it was a female or whether it was a friendship, I'm sure it was my father. Um, so, you know, like I stated around 18 or 19, me and my father started getting close and no matter where he was always in New York and either I was living in New York or I was in Philly, nonetheless, me and i always kept in contact. My father would call me depending on how he feel. He would call me three to five times a day or three times a week. And depending on how I feel, I was answering it and it was too late. I would answer just to hear his voice just to make sure he was okay. But then if I knew he was over there with the music playing and something in his hand, I'm like, oh, I ain't doing this with you tonight, Dad. You you over there grooving. You in a good space. I can't do this. But I always try to answer his call just to make sure he was okay. Because um, that's what you do, right? You do that for your parents. So I was just always there for him. He was always there for me. I can call him for anything any amount of money, any time he was giving it to me. There's not too many times that my father ever told me no. And when he did tell me no, it was okay because he was going to tell me yes or his nose didn't last long. And so he was always there for me, even though, you know, he didn't like some of the things I did or, you know, my father was uh, very judgmental. Um, and he used to say some things. But, you know, I had a relationship with my father that that we understood each other. And if he was wrong, there's only two people in this world that could tell him he was dead, dead wrong. I'm sorry. Three people in this world that could tell him that he was dead, dead, dead wrong. And he would sit back and evaluate some things and say, you know what, you're right. His mother, my mother, and me. And I did it in that order for a reason. Those three people... You can always tell if he was going through something and you tell him, Calvin, I'm going to call your mother. I'm going to call your kid's mother or I'm going to call your daughter. And everything changes. He's like, whoa, 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 wait. Okay, 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 okay. What you want? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so my father just never wanted me to be upset with him and not to be proud of him. And for the most part, I was always proud of my father. I was always proud of him because he was a good man. My father wasn't a selfish man. My father kept a pocket full of money. My father was kind. He was generous. But he had some demons, you know. And uh, the way I loved him, I was always able to overlook those things. Not everybody else was able to do that. But I was able to do that because that was my father and I loved him. And so, me and my father been through some things together, you know. (laughs) We've been through some things together and one time I can remember, my father was riding his bike I can't recall what time of day it was, whether well, it was, actually it was at night, and I was at work, and it was 2008, I was in nursing school, and my father was riding his bike, and he rides his bike, and he always keep a light on his bike, my father would ride his bike, you can catch him anywhere in the town in New York, in Poughkeepsie, New York, and you'll catch him riding his bike, and he was riding his bike, and a drunk driver hit him, and left my, and left my father on the side of the road for dead. And when they finally caught the man, he said he thought he hit a deer. Um, Nonetheless, he left my father there. Um, My father was found and he was brought to the hospital. And I got a call from a sheriff. And he was telling me what happened and told me that I needed to hurry up and get there. And I made my way there. And I remember pulling up to the hospital and seeing a sheriff standing there. And he must have already had a picture of me because when he seen me running towards the door, he took his hat off. And so to me, I didn't think at that time, okay, this is a sign of respect for me. I thought he was telling me that my father was gone. So when I got to him, he said, are you Cherie Meekins? And I said, yeah. And the look in his eyes, I just buckled. And he caught me and he was like, I'm going to take you to your father. So as we walked down the hallway, they were rolling this person by in a stretcher. And my heart just went out to that person because I was like, oh, my God, what happened to that person? I mean, they was unrecognizable. And the whole time that was my father. And I didn't even know that was him. So, as they're rolling his body down the hall, me and the detective, he's, excuse me, the sheriff, he's taking me to the back. And they wouldn't let me see him until I guess they cleaned him up and got him together. And when I walked in the room, only reason I knew that was my father is because of his ring. My father was a mason. And I seen his ring on his hand. And I dropped. And, you know, my father looked like he was just holding it on until I got there and um, it was hard it was hard you know I was my father's beneficiary and I had to make some decisions and so you know my father was in ICU for a long time in a coma he had to have emergency surgery on his leg and the doctors asked me what would my father want I said he would want you to save his leg I said, but if it comes to the point to where his leg over him, then you got to take my father's leg, and I'll deal with that later. And so, luckily, they was able to save my father's leg, and it was a long recovery for him to be able to use his leg properly again. Um, It took a long time. It took a very, very long time. And one thing that I always remember about my dad, right, When he came out of that coma and he started getting better and things like that, um, he lost his phone. And so he needed a new phone. He wanted a new number. And so in 2008, I got my father a new phone and a new number. And up until he died, into 2018, my father kept that same number and that same phone. And he always said it's because my daughter bought it for me. And that meant the world to me. So. Believe it or not. I still pay that phone bill. To this day. So I can call it to hear his voice. But I haven't called it. In some months. Which lets me know I've been doing good. You know. I don't have to call on anymore to hear his voice. But I still have it on. Um, So. You know, it was. It took my father a long time with therapy to learn how to use that leg again. He had a bunch of rods it and things of that nature. He got out of the hospital. He came to stay with, uh, with me for a little while until I was comfortable with him going back home. He was able to go back home, and I just took care of him, took him any place he had to go because my father would have did it for me and has done it for me many, many times. And so that's just one of the examples of the kind of relationship we had. It was nothing that I wouldn't do for him, even if it didn't make me feel good because I knew I shouldn't have did it. It was my father, and at times I had a hard time with telling him no. And so did he. And so it was kind of like if I tell him no, he going to get it done either way. So I needed to make sure that he was fine so I would do things for him. You know, um, one in particular, you know, my father enjoyed his alcohol. And so, you know, a lot of times I didn't. But a lot of times, you know, I didn't say anything. Because, you know, my father was a grown man and that was just his vice. And so... You know, whenever he felt like having a drink, he would. And, you know, I didn't love my father no less. Because as I stated, we all have flaws. Um, And so, me and my father went through a lot of other instances through over the years. Due to um, him enjoying his alcohol. But I was always there for him. I was always, always there for him. I remember one time my father had to go away for therapy. Excuse me. I do therapy. <laughs> um, he had to go away to get himself together. And He was in this program and I had to write him a letter. And I wrote him a letter telling him what his behaviors did to me and how it affected me. And so it ended up being like a 10-page letter. And my father told me he had to write it. I mean, excuse me, he had to read it in front of a group of people. And he said, he didn't realize how much his behavior affected me and he felt so horrible and I didn't write the letter for him to feel horrible I just wanted him to understand that you know as a parent your behavior affects your children even your adult children It's just what it is and so I think he couldn't understand that because he had too many different things in his way so he couldn't see clearly and I didn't make it any easier because no matter what, I didn't leave his side. You know, even though I would threaten him, you know, dad, if you stop, if you don't stop doing that, if you don't stop doing that, you know, um, <laughs> I am going to, when you pass away, I am going to... Uh, <laughs> put you in a casket because my father was a claustrophobic and he always made it clear he wanted to be cremated so I used to always start and I'm like dad you better change your beneficiary because if you don't stop doing that you don't stop drinking this is what I'm gonna do he's like okay 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 I'm gonna stop I'm stop so you know that was a running joke with me and him and I would like to think that I would have I meant that but you know I didn't mean it and I didn't do it I actually you know my father was actually cremated You got to respect somebody's wishes, no matter how you feel. And so I did. So when my father got that letter, he said it broke him. Because if anybody knows my father, one thing he never wanted to do was hurt me. He had me on such a high pedestal that I knew I didn't even deserve to be up there. But he had me up there. And uh, I stayed up there until he passed away. I know I'm still there now. I know my father is very, very proud of me. I know that without a doubt, even with me now, telling this story about me and him, I know he's still proud of me. Because he knew if he didn't have nobody in his corner, he knew he always had me. And so I know he's proud that I'm still going. And I know he's rooting for me. And that keeps me going so fast forward to 2018 and I'm out for Father's Day with my son and my ex-boyfriend and we come home and it was it was strange because I called my father twice or three times that day and I'm blowing him up calling him to wish my happy father's day and he kept going to his answering machine so I'm like you know what my dad either lost his phone again because he has a tendency to lose his phone or I was like oh he must be you know with a young lady and he can't talk to me right now but either way I said when I get home later tonight I'm gonna call him and I'm gonna give him a piece of my mind so I get home about nine o'clock and I never even got a chance to call my dad it was this weird number on my phone it was a it's a California number I didn't have it saved so it was my aunt which is my dad's sister, she lived in California, and I answered the phone, and I'm going to always remember that call. I, In her voice, I could tell she was crying, and she was like, hi, Cherie, this is, you know, this is your aunt, and I was like, hey, how are you? I said, what's wrong? You don't sound good. You okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. She said, Cherie, I need you to sit down, and you know, everybody knows what that means. I said, sit down for what? She said, I got something to tell you about your dad. I said, oh, no, 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 no. And I remember saying, hold on. Whatever you need to tell me, you have to tell my boyfriend. And so I gave him the phone. I said, listen, don't let them tell you something happened to my father. Please don't let them do that. And I gave him the phone. And I walked off, and I'm pacing. And the next thing I know, he gets off the phone, and he walked towards me. And when I tell you, He looked like a ghost. He was so pale. And I knew he was walking towards me slowly, you know, and I had my hands out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Stop right there. Let me ask you some questions. I said, we're going to do this, okay? He said, okay. I said, was it about my father? And He said, yes. I said, is he okay? He said, No. I said, okay. I said, did someone kill my father? Mm. And he said, no. I said, okay, we doing good here. I said, is my father gone? he shook his head yes, and it was over after that, and I just remember nothing, next thing you know, I get a call from my uncle, and he's crying, and he's trying to tell me the same thing, I'm like, look, listen, why are you guys calling me? I'm like, I'm just trying to reach my father, It's father's day. There's no reason for you guys to call me, you know, kind of like, I don't really hear from you guys too much. Why are you calling me now? So he was trying to tell me, I said, this is what I'm going to need you to do. Cause he told me he was at my father's house with the, you know, EMTs and all of that. And the police, I said, okay. He said, I have your father's wallet. I said, okay, well, send me the, send me a picture Send me my father's license. Take a picture and send it to me. that's the only way I'm going to believe you. Because my father don't give anybody his wallet but me. So if you have my father's wallet, then I'll believe you. He said, okay, I can do that. He sent me a text. (sniffs) Mm. And it was a picture of my father. And I knew it was over. And I was sick. I was sick. And my ex-boyfriend, you know, he was on the phone with my mom and asked my mom to come there. Because I think he was scared for me. He knew there was nothing he could do with me. And he's never seen me like that. My mom got there, you know. And I was hyperventilating. I was sick. I was sick. The next day, and my mom drove to Albany, New York and we went to his place you know we handled some other things up there we went to his place and I I just you know I just couldn't believe it you know I'm in his place and he's not here My father wasn't a sick man at all. He wasn't sick at all. Very, very healthy man. My father had asthma. And he had it bad and he always had bronchitis. But he wasn't. He wasn't a sick man. And so to lose somebody, you know, I don't have anything to compare that to. Like I don't know what it's like to lose a parent and you knew they were sick and you had time to prepare. This was abrupt and it just happened, and it hit me, and I had to deal with reality, and so it was rough for me, it was really, really rough for me, I didn't find out the cause of death for about maybe three weeks, I was sick knowing that my father passed away, and I didn't know what happened to him. So when I finally got the results, my father passed away from a fatal asthma attack. And for a long time, I just thought about, was he scared? Did he feel alone? Because I don't know what that feels like to not be able to breathe. From a condition, but I can tell you, when I lost my father, I couldn't breathe. I felt like something was on my back at all times. It was so heavy. It was so heavy. I, like, you know, come to find out, you know, when I was in therapy, that it was depression and grief. And by the grace of God, I was able to plan my father's memorial and get through that and get through many other days, many other nights. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without God and therapy. And this is why. I speak so highly about therapy because when I tell you, my days was dark. You know? I cried all the time. I used to sit in the dark. I couldn't accept hugs. I didn't want anybody to touch me because I didn't do well when I felt like people pitied me. So when people would try to hug me, I thought it was like sympathy hugs. And I didn't know how to accept that. And then I also knew that You were hugging me because I lost my person. And every time somebody would try to hug me, me, it would remind me what they was hugging me for. And I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. So when I realized I needed therapy was when one day I was by myself in the house And I keep having this one thought, this one thought over and over again. And the thought was, don't get me wrong, I never contemplated suicide, right? But the closest I came was I just wanted to go to where he was and just to go up there in heaven and just to make sure he was okay. I just had to see him. I had to see his smile, and I I needed him to tell me that I'm okay and that I didn't feel alone when I left, and that I need you to go back to your son and make me proud. I needed to hear those words. And so I couldn't get that thought out of my mind. I couldn't get that thought out of my mind. And so I got scared. said you know what I need to go to therapy because I need help I need help sorting out my thoughts because I'm somebody's mother and my son is used to be being healthy and happy and there for him and he deserves that and so I needed to get back to that person and so I went to therapy and it was hard Because, you know, you're sitting in front of somebody and they're talking to me about my father as if he wasn't here. But the fact of the matter is, he's no longer here. And so I had to check myself and not get upset with the therapist as, like, to say, don't talk about my father in the past tense. But the fact of the matter is, that was my reality. Mm. That was my reality, and I needed to accept what reality was moving forward, and so I started getting better after a few months. I started getting better, you know, when I first went in she wanted to give me a hug, and I couldn't let her hug me. I went in there. I used to go in there with my head down, crying the whole time. Just crying, 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 crying. For about a month and a half, two months straight, I would just cry, 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 cry. I was in therapy about three, four times a week. I needed it. I was crying. I would come home. I would sit outside the house and cry in my car before I go inside. You know, I didn't want to bring that energy inside to my son and my boyfriend at the time. I didn't want to bring that energy in there. Even though I know he knew, I didn't want to bring that in there. You know, he didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve what I was going through, but it was my reality. And so, you know, when you were in therapy, it touched on so many different things in your life. I went there to deal with the loss of my father and learning how to live without him no longer being here. And she actually made me see my life for what it was and I had to do some work and that's what I needed to do and so my life drastically changed when I lost my father one being I'm no longer in that relationship another being I purchased my home in August in 2020 and many other things But I remember the day I felt peace after losing my father. It was actually six months after losing my father. I woke up one day and I just had joy and peace in my heart. And it was kind of weird because I was like, oh my God, is it too soon? It's only six months. And I feel okay and I'm happy. And I feel at peace and I have joy. Is this wrong? Is this too soon? Because when I tell y'all, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see it and I never thought I was going to be able to come up out of that. I thought my son was going to have to grow to love a different mother. I thought I was going to just be a totally different person in a bad way. But when I tell you, God is so good, God is so good. Because when I tell you, I have been great. I'm not even going to say good. I have been great. I have accepted my father no longer being here, and I've been good. Let me change that word. I've been great once I started experiencing joy and peace. Because one thing about it is I knew I had to get myself together because I I felt like my father was up there sad. The way I was hurting down here. And I didn't want that for him. I'm like, you know, he's where we all are trying to get to. And, Ree, you got to get it together. You can't have your father up there hurting because his daughter's hurting. My father never wanted me to hurt. My father would have brought down a building and a mountain about me. My father ain't play about me. And I kept that in mind. I said, Ree, that's not fair to nobody. That's not even fair to you. You got to get it together. Your father probably up there, he can't even enjoy heaven. Because you down here in hell. And you showing them that you can't do it without them. And you and Meekins, you ain't built that way. Reed, you gotta get through this. And so I talked myself through it with therapy and God and being in church. And I got through it. And when I got through it, I noticed all these blessings that I'm receiving. I can't help but to be grateful. I can't help but to be grateful. And so... It has been a very long journey. It has been a very long journey because losing a parent, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. God, please. And I pray I never do. I want my son to bury me. But when I tell you to lose a parent, and unfortunately many people understand this pain. I mean... It hurts. It hurts down to your core. It it hurts places in your body you ain't even know existed. If it makes any sense, it just hurts. And you have to make a conscious decision every day to get up and not live in that hurt. Because that hurt will get you up out of here. Depression, it will get you up out of here. And I don't like to be hurt and I don't like to be depressed and I don't like to be sad. So I fought my way through this. I fought my way through this tooth and nail. I fought my way through this because I knew I had more to live for. My father lived until he was 59. There's people people that don't live to see that. I had my father until I was 38. There's people that don't have their parents at the age of 38. There's people that parents die while giving birth. There's people that don't know their parents. So I had to check myself and turn my feelings around. And start living in gratitude. And once I was able to do that, I was like, you know what, Reed? You were blessed. You had your dad until you were 38. I'm like, and so for me, I want my son to have me longer than that. But I got to get up out of this funk. And so I ran the therapy. I mean, <laughs> my therapy days was my best days. I'm not lying to you. I try to tell the truth, people. I'm not lying. It was my best days. I used to run the her. And every time I left, I felt good. But one thing about therapy is they can give you all the tools, all the worksheet, all the ammunition. You have to put in the work. That is one thing I cannot stress enough when it comes to therapy. You have to do the work. Cherie Monique Meekins did the work. And that's why I'm able to sit here. And do this Journey of Sheree podcast. Every week. I'm able to do my Facebook live. Answer a bunch of questions. No matter how uncomfortable I may be. I do it. Because I know there's a bigger picture. And it's bigger than me. I'm able to start a YouTube channel. And tell my truth. How I see it. Because I had to do the work. Because I knew... I didn't want to die. I knew I wanted to be here and see my son become a father and become and to become a husband and to graduate and to live his life and so in order for that to happen I had to get out of that depression. And I did. Thank God I did. And I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that I am su- I'm in such a different space. And so when I tell you this is why I will forever promote therapy, forever, forever promote therapy. Because it's so necessary and it is so needed. And I hear many people say, you know, you can't do both. You can't believe in God and do therapy. But to me, I say, who are you to make that call? And number two, you can't make that call for Sheree because you ain't God. People are, God made people to become therapists. What you think he did that for? For people like me and everybody else. And so therapy works for me. I'm actually in therapy as we speak. Yesterday was my second week back in therapy. And I learned about setting boundaries. And so I will forever, forever believe in therapy. It helped me. It helped me. And so, thank you guys so, so very much for joining me on this journey. You guys are now an extension of my family. You are part of this Journey of Sheree family because you don't have to tune in every week and listen to me either cry, laugh, or talk, but you do. And I'm forever grateful for you guys. So make sure you check out my YouTube channel, which is com, And please make sure you subscribe. Help me get to those thousand subscribers. And also follow me on Facebook under my Journey of Cherie page. And Instagram under my Journey underscore of underscore Cherie page. And also I'm on Twitter, the same name, Journey of Cherie. And I'm on Clubhouse, which is Journey of Cherie. And every Tuesday at 6.30, I do my podcast. And also make sure you go check out my website and go look at all that beautiful Journey of Cherie merchandise and get you something. My website is www.journeyofcheree.com. And as always, as always, make sure you take care of yourself. And I will do the same. Cheers hi this is Eli mommy I'm very proud of you and I love you